Well, thank you so much, praise team. It was just wonderful to sing together with you today. We're so blessed every week here in our church to praise God with such meaningful and very deep music. And so we're so thankful. And welcome to everybody this morning. And those of you that are online, we're grateful that you're here with us to worship the Lord. Well, one Sunday morning, uh, a man uh, awakened and he announced unexpectedly to his wife, I'm, I'm not going to church anymore. And she said to him, what? She said, we, we have to go to church. Uh, she said, come on, let's get ready. He said, no, I really mean it. I'm not going to church anymore and don't try to talk me out of it. And she said to him, well, honey, this is uh, so surprising, so unusual. Can you tell me why you've decided this? And she said, yeah, I could, I could tell, he said. He said, number one, those people at that church, they don't like me. And he said, number two, to be honest with you, I don't like them either. And she said, that is foolish and silly. She said, come on, let's get ready to go. We're going to church. And he said, all right, you tell me why I ought to go give me two good reasons. She said, okay, I will. Number one, you're 40 years old. And number two, you're the pastor. <laughs> now, because I'm a pastor, I like that joke. But there's another reason I tell that joke. It's because I've been there. Early in my ministry, I struggled with depression. I've shared this with you before, and there were some Sunday mornings I did not want to go to church. I felt empty. Uh, there was nothing in the tank. Even though I had a sermon prepared, I felt I had nothing to give, and so I just did not want to go. But here's what I discovered. I discovered when you're the pastor and you don't want to go to church, you go anyway. And so I would go feeling awful. And a very wonderful thing would happen. Obviously, the congregation had no idea how I was feeling, and they would begin to minister to me. Uh, they would greet me. They would bless me. They would worship with me and minister to me. And here's what I began to find. As the services ended, my whole outlook had changed, my depression had lifted, and my spirits had revived. And I learned some things in those early difficult years that have been foundational to my life and my ministry ever since. Let me give you what I learned. Number one, the pastor needs the church just as much as anybody else. Don't ever forget that. I learned I needed the church. Secondly, I learned if I would let the body of Christ minister to me, they would bless me and minister to me in very special ways. Thirdly, I learned that uh, the time when I needed the church the most was when I least felt like going. And then finally, number four, I learned that the priesthood of all believers is a very special doctrine and it makes a big difference. Now this morning, we are coming to the last message in this series on the church that I have been sharing with you. We're coming back to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 to 10, where we began last week a message that I've entitled, Why the Church is So Special. And I invite you to take your Bibles and turn there with me. 
And we have one question as we come to this text. Why is it so special to belong to the church? Now remember last week, Peter gives us two answers. We saw the first one, the church is a spiritual house that Christ is building. Well, now today we look at Peter's second answer. The church is a serving priesthood that God is using. The church is a serving priesthood that God is using. Now, I want you to follow along in your Bibles in verses 4 and 5, then I'm going to skip down to verse 7 and verses 9 and 10, and I want you to notice what Peter says to us. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Look down at verse 7. So the honor is for you who believe. Look down at verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Here's what Peter is telling us. We are a serving priesthood that God is using. Now, Peter wants us to see two things in this text about this priesthood. He tells us, first of all, what we are, and then he tells us what we are to do. So let's look at what we are, all right? This phrase, holy priesthood in verse 5, royal priesthood in verse 9, is a very, very powerful phrase. And it means two things. First of all, it means all believers in the Lord Jesus Christ have direct access to God through Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. All believers in the Lord Jesus Christ have direct access to God through Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to notice as we look at what Peter says, there are some very critical connections we need to understand so that we can know who we are in Jesus Christ. What is said here about believers, about Jesus, is true of all believers, and it's very, very critical to notice because what is true of Jesus' relationship to God is true of our relationship to God. Notice in verse 4, he is a living stone. That's a reference to Jesus' resurrection and the fact that he gives life to all who receive him. So in verse 5, similar to him, we are now like living stones who've been made alive with the very life of God. And you know the Bible says that that means we are born again. So now we are accepted by the Lord in the very same way that Jesus is accepted. Notice twice in verses 4 and 6, it says Jesus was chosen. And if you look at verse 9, it says we are chosen. And then uh, twice as well in verse 4 and 6, it says he is precious. And if you look at verse 9, it says we are God's own possession. You know, this word precious is a wonderful word. It means to be valuable, 
of considerable worth. And wouldn't you agree with me? Anything that God owns is of considerable worth. Would you not agree with me on that? We are precious to God. And then notice, he is honored as the cornerstone of the church, and we share this honor as living stones. Verse 7 says, so the honor is for you. So because of our relationship to Jesus, we now have an identical reception with God. Now let's just stop and reemphasize this again. We all have direct access to God through Jesus Christ. Now, brothers and sisters, I want you to think with me for a moment what this means. It means no one is our go-between between us and God. That's what this means. We do not need a priest to absolve us of sin, to offer a sacrifice for us at an altar, or to dispense grace to us in any way. We go directly to God through the only priest we have, the Lord Jesus Christ. What this means is, all of us have equal standing with God. The newest believer has the same standing with God as the believer who has been walking with the Lord for many years. You know what the Bible says in Hebrews 4? Since we have this great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us therefore come with confidence to the throne of grace that we may obtain grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. And 1 Timothy 2.5 says this to us, there is one mediator, right? One mediator between God and men. And who is that mediator? He is the man, Christ Jesus. Now, here's the second thing that this very beautiful phrase Holy priesthood means. You ready? We are all involved in the ministry. We are all involved in the ministry. When you look up the word priesthood, what you discover are two very important things. We are all together, a body of priests, and therefore we all together have priestly duties. Let me say that again. We are all together a body of priests, and we all together have priestly duties. It's interesting, this past week in my study, I've discovered a number of things about this word priest in the New Testament. The New Testament never gives the title of priest to any individual member in the church. The only time the word priest is ever used is of Jesus himself. And whenever priest is used in the New Testament, it is always plural, priests, or it is a collective noun, priesthood. Now listen to what that means. The church has no priests. Rather, we are a priesthood together, all of us. 
the church has no priests. Rather, we are a priesthood together, all of us. That's what the New Testament teaches us. Now, let me just uh, hasten to add as we think about this, this does not mean there are no distinctions in the church in terms of ministry and service, because there are. The New Testament gives to us offices in the church, and there are specific qualifications for those offices, so that a person would have to meet those qualifications in order to serve in those offices. See, there are no distinctions in privileges as God's people, but there are distinctions in offices. Another thing that flows out of this is there are ministries in the church that are only for those the Holy Spirit has gifted them for those ministries. You see, one of the biggest mistakes we can make is to presume on ministries God has not called us or gifted us to do. That can be a very big mistake. And we must always minister according to the gifts, calling, and place that the Holy Spirit assigns to us. And here's what happens. When we offer ourselves to the Lord in the ministry of His church as His priesthood, His Spirit can very, very easily reveal our gifts, reveal our calling, and the place where He wants us to serve. And when we enter into that ministry, then we're serving in the place of His designation. So brothers and sisters, who are we? Who are we? Well, we are a body of priests, and we all have priestly duties. Well, now, Peter also, in this passage, is so very practical, he also tells us what we are to do. He doesn't just tell us who we are. He tells us what we are to do. And this morning, I want to draw out four action steps or four action points from what Peter says that I hope will cause us to think about the priesthood of all believers in a way we've never thought about it before, okay? Let me give them to you this morning. Number one, accept your identity as believer priests. Accept your identity as believer priests. You know, we often refer to each other as believers, don't we? Just yesterday I was talking to somebody and they were sharing with me about some Christians and they called them believers. But here's a question. How many times do we refer to each other as priests? When's the last time you referred to Christians in that way? You see, the truth of the matter is we're both. We are believer priests. And so you know what the Bible is saying here? Believe what God has made you in Christ. Realize who you are and what God wants you to do. One of the great leaders in the Christian church who emphasized the priesthood of all believers was Martin Luther. I want you to listen to what he said to us. He believed in this so fervently. Listen to what Luther said. Not only are we the freest of kings, we are also priests forever. 
which is far more excellent than being kings, for as priests we are worthy to appear before God to pray for others and to teach one another divine things. You hear what Luther is saying? We are both kings and priests, but he says priests is more excellent because we have power with God in prayer and in ministry to others. That's who we are. We are believer priests. Understand our identity. Number two, second action point. Get connected to the local church. Get connected to the local church. The whole point of this passage is that God wants us to belong. He wants us to be a part. Early in my ministry, I discovered this truth, and I used to say it on a regular basis to my congregation. I used to say, I've never met a useful Christian who was not a part of a local church. I used to say that on a regular basis. Well, now, I've been in the ministry 36 years, and you say, Pastor Brian, have you changed your mind about that? Well, let me say it again. I've never met a useful Christian who was not a part of a local church. And 36 years of ministry has never changed that. You see, if there is a building block that is laying on a construction site and it's all by itself, that building block is totally useless. But if that block is placed into the building, it becomes a part of everything that happens in that building. And it is the same with Christians. If we are disconnected by ourselves, we are useless to our God. But if we are connected to the spiritual house that Christ is building, then we are a part of everything that God is doing through this local church. So clearly here, get connected to the local church. Here's the third action point. Understand the importance of Jesus and we as well as Jesus and me. Let me say that again. Understand the importance of Jesus and we as well as Jesus and me. When Peter says in verse 4, we are to come to him, come to Jesus in repentance and in faith, it is not just Jesus and me, but it becomes also Jesus and we. We are a priesthood together. We are living stones together. And there are some things that we can only do together. Do you know we can only offer public worship together? Look again at verse 5 and notice what he says. You are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, 
to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What is Peter describing there? Well, he's describing public worship. See, we know we can worship God privately every day, but how many think God also wants public worship? Of course he does. What does he say often in the Old Testament? You read it in the Psalms regularly. He wants his name to be proclaimed throughout the whole earth. Well, that happens as we come together publicly. This morning, as churches all around the world are gathering in worship, His name is being proclaimed publicly throughout the whole earth. That's one of the things that we can only do together. And then I want you to notice something else. We evangelize more effectively as a body. Look at verse 9. He says that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of his darkness or out of darkness into his marvelous light. Do you know that word proclaim is one of the New Testament words for evangelism? That's what he's talking about. And the interesting thing is the word you here is plural. You evangelize, he says. We evangelize as a body. We evangelize together. Do you know, I once read a very interesting study that said this, it takes 100 church members to reach and disciple one new Christian. Isn't that an interesting study? takes 100 church members to reach and disciple one new Christian. I once heard Pastor John MacArthur say this in person. He said, I cannot disciple my own family. I thought, my goodness, your sermons go around the world. You cannot disciple your own family. And then you know what he said? He said, it takes the full giftedness of the body of Christ to disciple my family. And he was revealing this truth. You know, we see that in our summer vacation Bible school ministry. It takes the whole church working together to evangelize our children. Becky, our children's director, she can't do that herself. Her illustrious team has been doing this for years and years. They can't do this themselves. It takes the whole church working together to evangelize our children so that when a child says to me, and brothers and sisters, I've heard this more than once. More than once I've heard a child say to me, I was saved at VBS. Who did God use to reach that child. The whole church, right? The lady is working in the kitchen. The person leading the group meetings in the sanctuary. Those who are teaching the lessons. Those who are running the games. Those who are operating the refreshment table. God used all of them 
They're all involved in this work of proclaiming the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We evangelize more effectively together as a body. I know it's early. I know it's early. But do you see what the Bible is saying? Understand the importance of Jesus and we as well as Jesus and me. That's the priesthood of all believers. Now, number four. Action point number four. Begin offering spiritual sacrifices now. Begin offering spiritual sacrifices now. Do you know in the New Testament, as you look through it, you discover there are seven spiritual sacrifices that are specifically named in the New Testament that are pleasing to God? Seven of them. Let me give them to you this morning, all right? Number one, daily obedience, Romans 12:1, Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Number two, sharing our resources, Hebrews 13, 16. Number three, public worship. We've already mentioned that, Hebrews 13, 15. Number four, witnessing, Romans 15, 16. Number five, good deeds done in the name of the Lord, Hebrews 13, 16. Number six, unselfish love, Ephesians 5, 2. And uh, number seven, prayer, Revelation 8, 3, which describes our prayers as ascending to God as a sweet-smelling sacrifice. Now, as I share those seven spiritual sacrifices... Two things strike me. That's what makes a healthy church, right? Without these, you cannot be a healthy church. What would a church be without daily obedience, sharing resources, public worship, witnessing, good deeds, unselfish love, and prayer? What would a church be? Be a pretty unhealthy place. These things make the church healthy. Here's the second thing. Every believer can do these. They're available to everyone. In fact, most of them, we can start right now. We can do these seven starting right now. You know, people will often say, they'll often say this, you know, I just don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know what my purpose is. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. How many of you think God has made it pretty clear what he wants us to do and what our purpose is? Of course he has. It's right here. It's what the priesthood of all believers is all about. So do you see why the church is such a special place? 
It's because we are a spiritual house that Christ is building. And we are a serving priesthood that God is using. And when we know him and serve him and follow him in that way, oh, how he is pleased. Let's thank him together for a moment, shall we? Bow with me in prayer. This morning, as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I hope that you are connected to the spiritual house, the church, by repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope this morning that as Peter says here, you have come to him. You have come. And he has made you alive in himself. You now are a living stone and you know that you're born again. And if you have any questions about that, we're here to help you with that. But then I also want you this morning to say, Lord Jesus, thank you for what you have made me. Thank you, Lord, that I have direct access to God himself. I need no other person to be a go-between. I have the one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And then would you say, Lord, thank you that you have made me a part of this body of priests and I have priestly duties. And I want to thank you, Lord, that these seven that you list are, are not too far off. They're not way above me. They are not things that I cannot do. But as I offer myself to you as a living sacrifice, you will direct me and use me. I will be one of those stones in the building that you are using in the world today. Lord, help me to really believe you can say to him that it does take the entire body of Christ to publicly worship you and proclaim your name. And evangelism of the lost happens better when we do it together as a body and you use all of us to reach and disciple those you are calling. Would you affirm those things today, this morning? And say to the Lord, I know that I'm a king forever and I'm a priest forever, but in many ways, being a priest is more excellent because you have given me power with God in prayer and power in ministry to others. Would you say it's an awesome thing? It's an awesome thing. Father, teach us who we are because when we know who we are, we'll be motivated to do what you want us to do. There won't need to be any pressure. There won't need to be any cajoling. There won't need to be any begging. When we know who we are, then the most natural thing in all the world is to do what you've called us to do. Thank you this morning for making your church such a special place. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen.